pause our series on Revelation as we've been looking at the letters of Jesus, Revelations 2 and 3, that he wrote to the seven churches. But because we, we're going to have at the end of the service a finance update, AGM update from our finance guys, I thought today would be good to just reflect on our church a little bit. And there's a specific passage that when I've been praying for our church the past few months is that God led me to this passage as I believe was an answer to a question that I had asked of God for our church. And it felt appropriate to then share that in today's sermon, which is going to be from Acts 16. We'll get to that shortly if you want to follow along with me in your Bibles. It will be on the screen as well. Um, as you know, when we come together as a church, we don't have our own church building. But we've had three main places where we've come together. First one being here at ECU, been here for, uh, I think it's going on to six years now, great facilities. Um, we've also met a few times at the C3 building in Joondalup, remember the one that we looked at buying, renting, and then the other venue is the wedding venue, Bridgely Reception Center. Isn't that a lovely place? Well, it's a bit out of the way for some, closer for others, because it's that away, but um, a lovely place, windows, gardens outside, uh, just lovely atmosphere. So we've had these three venues where we've met, and every place has its pros and cons. But we need to meet somewhere. The, the church is dependent on us having a place where we can connect with each other, and small groups is one aspect of that, and homes. And, but, but Sundays coming together. Um, one person said uh, in the online forums between pastors, we were talking about the fact that COVID had us live streaming from home. And there was some, there's actually a church that make a, made a big announcement about that they're not coming together anymore on Sundays. They're only doing live streaming from now. So that's an interesting experiment. But it begs the questions about Scripture commanding us to come together. It says, do not neglect coming together as some are in the habit of doing. So even though you could sit at home and watch the best teachers around the world on YouTube, there is a command of God that we belong to a fellowship of believers where we see and engage with each other throughout the week. But the Sunday worship is part of God's command. And if you read the example that Jesus gives us, if you go to the gospel messages, it says there that Jesus went to the, the synagogue every Sabbath as was his habit. So if Jesus thought it important to attend the Sabbath worship in the temple as in the Jewish tradition, then the command of Scripture continues for us that we should do the same. So it's an important thing to look at. Um, now, idioms. I, I, I kind of like to use idioms. So I've got three on the screen. Let me just put this on. So I'll give you a moment just to see if you can... Idioms are saying, you know, gesagte is the Afrikaans. For it. So, anyone want to guess what the left top one is? Tick your boxes. The right top one. Okay, I heard ducks in a row. That's, that's right. And the star one? Stars align. All right. It's, it's these idioms that we use to say that when we're able to tick all the boxes, we can do this thing. Now, you, maybe you've been 
trying to uh, build a patio at your house or you've been thinking of you know, going to university as a student or whatever your goals are, you think, well, I need to tick all the boxes. And or sometimes you say, well, when the stars align, then we'll be able to do the certain things. Or I need to get my ducks in a row. Uh, I think some people have even said, I need to get my pigs in a row. Well, whatever animals it is, get them in a row, uh, an expression to say that um, everyone's lined up, ready to go, and we can do this thing. Now, with our church building, church renting, we are blessed to have this facility. And by God's providence, for some seasons yet to come. We've looked at the option twice now of purchasing or renting the C3 building. And I want to, I need to speak to this today. Today is very, it's very topical because I know some of you have had questions because we made a big effort of it beginning of the year and then COVID shut everything down. And then coming out of COVID, we, 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 you might have read the newsletter and we announced that, hey, we're looking at renting that place. And then that didn't happen because the ducks weren't in a row. The stars didn't align. We could not tick all the boxes. But some people asked me, what now? Where are things at? And I've been praying about it. And that's why I thought to share with you how God had answered me about the what now. C3 building is just one building that we've used, and it's, it's, it's kind of unique because just to update everyone, it's on the market, been now for two years, um, for nearly $2 million, a lot of money, um, but that's what churches go for, and that's actually on the cheapest side of church building. So we looked into it at the start of 2019, but we couldn't tick all the boxes, so kind of just you know, went into the background. Then start of 2020, we tried again, and this time we had a lot of enthusiasm. We had a lot of people that came alongside. We investigated and spoke to more people and finances and options, and we tried to get the ducks in a row. But then COVID came and just kicked those ducks to all over the room. You wouldn't, it, there was this interesting thing that happened. And see God's providence in this. So beginning of the year, that building's available. I'm, I met the pastor face-to-face of that church, and we spoke about maybe we rent it from them with an option to buy. And I said, yeah, that's, we can do that $10,000 a month to rent it. Or if you buy it, you need $400,000 deposit. We had about seventy in the church kitty. So four hundred dollars ish uh, deposit needed, plus about ten, twelve per month to service the building and pay it off. A lot of money. Uh, we looked at it and looked at it and where are we at? And, and, and church council really wrestled with it. Um, we had other people, as I said, with, with um, people that, you know, their expertise that helped us look at it. And we felt, you know what, it, it's a stretch, but maybe we can do it. And on the, the February Thursday, we, at a church council meeting, we felt, you know, let's put this to the church. The, we will announce it that in two Sundays, we're going to ask the church to rally behind us and kind of just give us an indication, will you support such a move? That was a Thursday night. Friday morning, turn on the news with my cup of coffee, and they tell us, you can't have church anymore. And I was just about to tell you, listen, we want to buy a church. And then COVID kind of wiped that away. The grace was that we didn't lock us into a financial commitment by renting it, $10,000 a month, or purchasing it at that time, which would have been a lot of money for something that we couldn't use. So 
That was grace. And then ECU calls us. And they say, you can't meet in here anymore. But you won't have to pay for it anymore. Okay, that's cool. So we're saving money now. We didn't spend lots of money on a building we couldn't use. And we also started saving some money that we would have spent on the rent of this building. So in a way, it felt like God was just holding this thing back for us so that we didn't commit to something that would have cost us a lot of money that we wouldn't have been able to use. Then, as the days turned, well, it felt like it was turning into years with this COVID thing, you know, it felt like, was it, is it, what day of the week is it? I'd ask my wife sometimes because I don't want to forget about Sundays. You know, Sundays are coming, important day. But life just kind of mushed all into one. And, and I was, as we were coming out of this COVID thing, the building thing came up again. We again looked into renting that, having realized we probably shouldn't go ahead to purchase it at this stage. But I was praying and I had this gnawing idea that I was afraid to mention to anyone. Because if you're the pastor that had been with enthusiasm saying, oh, this building, this building, this building, and now you're kind of not enthusiastic anymore, you feel a bit embarrassed because now people are going to think, make up your mind, Joe, and church council, make up your mind. What do you want to do, left or right? Which way is it? But there was this other thing that was gnawing on me. And I've only told my wife, and I think I've told Alex. Now I'm telling everybody. So still love me. All right? I said to, I went to Cecile, and I said, you know this building thing that we're talking about? And she's so excited because to have our own place, to not have to carry bags around and set it up and use it in the week and all of that stuff. And I said to her, I'm not sure that we should go for this thing anymore. And she was just like, where's this coming from? So she said, just, just hear me out. I said to her, when we booked the wedding venue, and we went there, and I could look out a window, and I could walk among trees, and there was a garden, and it felt open. I just thought, you know, if, if, there's a, if there was a way, Lord, and one day we have our own building, could it not be something like that versus an indoor dark theater, which has its benefits because you can do lighting and stuff like that. So I'm not saying that's bad or wrong. It's just there's a, that's great, but there's a greater. There's a greater. And now it felt like, I mean, we can't afford a building anyway, but I'm, I'm kind of not one desiring the one we were. Get what I'm saying? I'm sounding confused. Oh, so I went to my wife and I. Had a, we didn't have an argument. We had a very peppery discussion on this topic. You know where the, the more peppery it gets, the dog blaze, you know, he's a labrador cross. He just goes really low and slowly walks out of the room. <laughs> and that's where we kind of know we maybe just need to bring our voices down a bit. And he goes, sits on the bed with Celeste, you know, because it was holidays and, and he'd shake the next <laughs> silly dog. But um, anyway, so that was just thinking aloud. So I went praying. I said, Lord, I, I think I'm probably confused, and it's not about me. What do you say? Your will be done. If your will is ECU, thank you for this amazing facilities. If it's something else, whatever. Lord, just thank you. What a blessing to just do church wherever we do church. That's the most important thing. But God, please can you give some clarity on this matter. And I really sensed that God was leading me and spoke to me through this passage. 
I'm going to share it with you, and I think you'll quickly get what God is saying. But I also want to encourage you today. I think this is showing something of the heart of God for whenever any of us find ourselves in such confusing crossroads when we don't know which way to go, or we thought this way, but then that didn't work, and we thought that way, and that didn't work. Where's God in that? And here we see the Apostle Paul dealing with a similar situation. Now, it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Now, that's Paul, uh, Timothy, Silas, and Luke the doctor. That's the four of them. So, they're traveling throughout, you know, the, uh, probably what you would call, you know, the, the um, Palestine today, Palestine area, Turkey, and Greece Rome, those areas, that's where they were working, doing ministry, uh, going out to plant churches and declare God's message to people. And Paul did three trips, he had three great missionary trips around that area where we travel for months, probably years at a time. On his second trip, this, this one here, it says he travels throughout this region of Phrygia and Galatia and having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. You see what's happening to Paul there? He, he wanted to go to the province of Asia. Now, don't think India, China, Pakistan, Asia. This is modern-day Turkey. The Roman Empire had a, a province they called Asia. Sometimes they call it Asia Minor. Asia means to the east. All right? So from Greece and Rome to the east was this province, which is now Turkey. So that's where they were traveling. And Paul wanted to go into that area and preach the gospel there. But it says the Holy Spirit kept them from doing it. And you think, why would God do that? It's such a noble thing for Paul to want to take the gospel to the people of Asia. Why would God stop him? But God had closed the door. Having been kept, somehow it just didn't work out. I'm not sure what the details are, but it just, the plan was that, but it didn't work. And they interpreted that God is not allowing us to turn into Asia. Now, a little side note there. God did not forget about that area called Asia Minor. Do you, can you think who went there? We've been doing this letters to the churches in Asia Minor. The seven churches was Apostle John. He's the big name that went and did work there and planted churches there. So God had other plans for Paul and his companions. All right, so they, they kept from going into Asia. And then in verse 7, it says, When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. So that's on the other side. You're like, couldn't go left, now want to go right. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they tried to go through that door with all the good intentions of taking the gospel message to those people, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they couldn't enter on the left, they couldn't enter on the right, so what did they do? They went forward. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. So I know it's all a lot of big names, but just stay with me here. You see that? So that's Turkey today. That's Greece, all right? That purple line, that's this, his second uh, journey. So he was down here in Israel, went to Antioch, then across to Iconium, um, picked up a, a young Timothy around there. And then they traveled on the border of Asia Minor, and they wanted to go into Asia, and God did not allow them to. Then they wanted to go to Bithynia on their right, but God did not allow them to. So they kept just going forward. God's not opening the doors 
they thought he would have opened. But then they get to Troas, and that's that port city there, Troas. And when they got there, it says, verse 9, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, see the name Macedonia there? That's that whole region. So, finally, there was a direct leading of the Lord. The Lord's leading before that was a closed door. It wasn't that like God had announced, Paul, you cannot go to Asia Minor. I'm sending John there. No, there was just a closed door. And when they wanted to go to the right, there was just a closed door. But they kept on going forward either way, trusting that in the end, God has a plan. We don't see the big plan. We're not sure where this is leading, but we're going to go forward still. And that's when they got to Troas, and then a vision was given to him to come over to Macedonia, that's modern-day Greek, and help them. Verse 10 then says, After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And so finally Paul had clarity, but it took time. But he still traveled, he still went forward, he still journeyed, even though at one point he wasn't sure what God's will is. He tested it to the left, he tested it to the right, but he kept on going forward. And there was a time when God says, now, here's my word, here's my way, here's my direction, this is where you are to go. And that's maybe the frustrating part for us as Christians is that sometimes we bang on a door to the left and oh, nothing and bang on the right and that waiting for clarity, that not knowing where this is going frustrates us so much. And maybe it's a time to start practicing that fruit of the Spirit, long-suffering, patience, kindness. I think if I had to summarize all of what we just read would be this. Allowing God to choose. Allowing God to choose. God, God the, the Scripture, all of that, if you read it, you, you pick up one thing from God that's revealed to us through Scripture. That is good. His nature is good. He's a good God. If He is good, it means He, he would punish sin, because any good government or good judge or good police does that. Corrupt governments, corrupt police do not punish sin. But a good God would. But a good God would also bless and love and protect and provide. That's God's nature. So in a way, I, there's a point we, we, we come to and say, God, I don't see where this is going. I'm trying left, I'm trying right. But I trust you. To work it out in the end, whatever this thing where my life is taking me, please continue to work it out. And God, your will be done. Maybe I really want to go into Asia, like Paul did, or you know, to the other province. But to then say, I don't understand. You, God, see the big picture, and I trust you. And I want to follow you and where you lead. You know, I was speaking about idioms at the start of the service about ticking boxes and ducks in a row. There's some other idioms that speak to this, you know, going forward thing. You heard about putting one foot in front of the other? That's an idiom. Because sometimes you just got to tread water. Idiom. I love the idiom from uh, the movie Finding Nemo, where the purple fishy dory says, when things get hard, what does she do? Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. 
just keep swimming. I'm going to translate one. I think it makes sense from my Afrikaans language. Plow forward. Ploeg voorend. Just keep ploeging. Okay? Plowing. Keep plowing. If you don't, just keep plowing. And I think, as I thought about that, what does Scripture say about such things? Because there's these idioms, but what does the Bible say? The Bible says that we can pray prayers like this. Lord, give us today our daily bread. Maybe in my own sense, you and I can pray, God, help me do today. You know, I'm worried about next Thursday and next month. Okay, but when we get to next Thursday, God might be saying to you, we'll deal with Thursday on Thursday. But Lord, help me do today, to find joy in today, to find peace in today, and to live today in such a way that glorifies you. And trust Him for the other bits. I, I've, I've told this story to you before, and I hope you'll allow me to just say it again, because there's new people in our church, and as God has brought people here, it's just such a vivid illustration of it that um, you know, many years back in South Africa, I was in a faith ministry, uh, driving around the country, uh, preaching and singing in churches. Faith ministry meaning that I didn't have a salary. I depended on the church to give me an offering of whatever when I finished ministry there. And sometimes churches were generous. Other times they weren't. But I, I had to learn to trust God. But that lesson of learning to trust God took me about a year and a half before I got it. There were many moments where I was angry at God you know, about His church. Lord, have you seen what your people do? They take this massive offering and then they give me nothing. I don't even put petrol in my car. I can't feed my family. What about me? It isn't fair. I've ha- I hate that song. What about me? Such a self-pity song. But we feel like that sometimes. You know, I'm driving on this highway again. And I've got my Motorola mobile phone on the left seat, and the phone rings, and it's Anthony. Now, Anthony works at Bankfin, the motor finance company. And Anthony and me, we now speak on personal names, because we've spoken so many times. And I say, hello, Anthony. He says, meneer Vermeulen. Mr. Vermeulen, your payment. It's overdue by two months. I said, I'm so sorry, Anthony, and I'm going to work on it. And, and you go through that whole thing, and, and he's like putting pressure on me, and I don't have the funds. I'm trusting. But, and after he, I mean, he, he wasn't very nice to me, but after we put the phone down, I had tears coming down my eyes. Not for self-pity. It was anger. You ever been so angry that you cry? I was so offended and angry. I was angry at the church. I was angry at... Christians, I was angry at myself for putting myself in this position, and I was at this moment where I'm now going to be angry at God. And I remember thinking, I'm going to be offended at God. I'm going to not be in His team anymore. Is this how He treats His servants? And this highway was before me, and I had this, this phone, and I remember throwing it in the passenger side of the car. And I'm driving. I'm saying, God, where are you? And the highway split to the left and to the right. And where I was going, I could take either way. You know, both, both would take me to my destination. And it's as if, 
I didn't hear an audible voice, but an impression in my heart as if God is saying to me, what are you going to choose now? Now, what are you going to choose? You're going to still serve me? Still trust me? Still walk in my ways? Are you going to bail out and be offended at God and angry at God and become bitter? And through tears, took the left, but in my spiritual heart, I took the right path. And I said, God, I've got nothing else. I've got nowhere else. I've got no one else. There is only you. I still serve you. Even though I'll still serve you. You know what? Looking back on that season, there were times when I had abundance. There were times when I had lack, and then abundance, and then lack, and then abundance, and then lack. And Paul speaks about that. Paul said, I've been hungry. I've had more than enough to eat. I've slept in the cold outside. I've stayed in beautiful inns. I've had abundance. I've had lack. But in all things, I still trust God. Anyway, you get the idea. So trusting God, walking His ways, not saying it's just going to be moonshine and roses. It's hard sometimes. But what else would you rather do? Depend on yourself only? We need God. He's the good God. And He does work in the bigger picture of what we cannot understand. But He works it all out. Ecclesiastes 3 says this. There's a, a season for everything. Time for Every activity under the sun. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, etc., etc., etc. So even Ecclesiastes speaks about this. Sometimes it goes your way, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the door opens, sometimes it doesn't. But God is still in control and we trust Him. Our small group have just finished, last Friday night, we finished a 10-part series by Dr. David Jeremiah. Write that name down. Go listen to that old man preach what a godly, godly, effective preacher of the Word of God. So David Jeremiah, 10-part series in the book of Ecclesiastes, and it was just brilliant how he spoke from Scripture to encourage us as, as uh, people of faith to keep on doing life even though you know, we don't always understand. We can't see the future clearly. Just give your best every day. On that note, and I'm nearly done I do want to highlight, again, this church thing. And this time, not the brick and mortar. This time, the living stones. Because we spoke about our venue. But can I cap it off by just saying about us, the church? We need each other. Maybe more than we think or realize. Looking back on our small group, have now been meeting for... Oh, many years now. I mean, it's, there's been times where we multiplied into other groups, but, you know, many years now that we've known each other. And most of the time, we really like each other. But there's been times where I probably annoyed someone by something that I said or, you know, because when you get to know people really well, you get to see the cracks as well. But that's relationship. That's meaningful relationship. And a church that is healthy will have meaningful relationships with people. You can't have it with 500 people. It's impossible. But we all should have a group where we can grow and belong to each other and love each other and learn to love each other where love covers a multitude of sin. I'm married to a beautiful woman, Cecile. 
But you know how many arguments we've had over the years? Who counts? But we are still in love. Because there's real relationship of working it out, working through it. And sometimes it's hard. But the kissing and making up is always the best part. If we have meaningful relationship with our brothers and sisters, when we have a falling out or we don't agree, do we just walk away? I don't agree with that. Or he said this to me. No, we work it out. We bear with each other. Long-suffering, love covers both of sin. Otherwise, none of us would still be married if we had that attitude in our most important human relationship. Do you think? Like, are you going to walk out of your marriage because your wife doesn't agree with your view on the end-time tribulation or the thousand-year? Uh... No, if we don't. you work it out. Why? Because you love her. You love him. You work it out. And then you're stronger because of that. And I believe that even as believers, we can be the same where we work through the messy bits. We love each other more. My, my church council, well, our church council, I'm part of the church council. I kind of like, when guys get onto church council, I'm thinking, oh, they're probably going to see the real me now. Oh, they're not going to think I'm this holy man of God now. Because sometimes I say the wrong thing or say it in the wrong way. But we work it out because of love. And small groups is a big, big deal, big part of it. I want, we want to ask you, be part of a small group. Join one if you, you know, try one. If it doesn't work, try another one. And if you can help us lead a small group, if you can't lead but you say, hey, I'll facilitate it. I'll put a DVD on, Dr. David Jeremiah, great resource. There's many others. Um, I'll put coffee on. I'll have chairs that people can sit. We can help you. We want to help you. Roy, just quickly stand up so everyone can see Roy. Roy is part of our uh, church council and elder, very passionate about small groups and very eager to help connect in this regard as well. Some, we've had times where people say, hey, can you help me in a small group? And we couldn't place them because the ones we had was full or the ones that were empty was too far or it was too young, and this is a mature couple. You know, so we, we need that plurality of groups and the prayers that we can have those form throughout the years. Because by God's will, we are in this for the long run. By God willing, we're probably going to grow all together. We'll see our children get married. We'll have funerals together, if the Lord spares us. We'll do life together as the church. What a blessing. And therefore, we want to be a community that people can belong to, feel love, feel encouraged, and I believe small groups in big churches especially is part of how we find that, that community. Closing verse, closing slide, Acts 2 verse 42 says this about the church in the early days. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. 
that's a, a high mark of what the church can look like. The New Testament church weren't only perfect. That's why Paul had to write all those letters because they had problems. And he addressed those issues. But we can endeavor to be such a church. So if someone asks me, what's your vision, vision, Joe? What's your vision for Grace Church? I always feel a bit guilty that I don't have the seven-point plan of stuff worked out. And I, I, you know, deep down, if I was really honest, my desire, ongoing vision for our church, that we can be a healthy church. We can't be perfect, but can we be healthy and have all the things in place that need to be in place? That's the prayer. About the church building, uh, we can't yet tick all the boxes. So for now, we put one foot in front of the other until such time that we can tick all the boxes. And who knows whether it's the C3 building at the time or another building or whether we stay here. We might just have to get some of those, um, you know those old people things you put on the side the, like a little, uh, what do you call it, elevator thing. It goes, we need super fast one. It goes, zoop, zoop. <laughs> as the Lord wills. All right, I'm going to pray. Let's uh, just lift our hearts to God. Father God, thank you for your word that does encourage us through life and um, through every season of it and even the bits that we can't always understand or see. We want to keep our eyes fixed on you, trusting you. Please continue to work out the details of our lives in your goodness and your kindness and your faithfulness for all of us. May our families be blessed, our homes, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, because of the people of God dwelling there. And even, Lord, um, in a moment's time, we're going to be hearing from Tian about church finances, and it's not just a postscript. This is important. And uh, thank you that we've, we can testify to your generosity and kindness through your people, and we honor you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.